I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna do me. I I I I'm gonna do me. I'm I'm gonna do me. Three Dogs North is an attempt to objectify the subjective with little violence as possible. The following has been torn from its origins in space and time and put entirely at your disposal. I was walking around town the other day. I had to get out of the office and uh, I just decided to, to walk in a part of town I hadn't walked before and I was praying the rosary and walked by this uh, house that had like five or six college-age looking kids sitting on the stoop. It's the end of summer. And uh, I just well, I kind of waved at them and walked by and I thought to myself half a block later, I was like, I should have just gone up and talked to those. I was in clerics. I should have just gone and talked to them. Whatever. Just introduce myself. You just plow through the awkwardness and and talk to them. You have to do that sometimes. You just have to do it. Just bulldoze it. Like it's there. You just got to fight through it. Yeah. Um, just make a terrible first. Hi, I'm Father Connor. <laughs> hey, look, I know this is here. I'm just going to crush it right yeah. now, all right? <laughs> no, no, it's cool, guys. I'm the cool priest. Yeah. <laughs> What, what I should a, just get a skateboard so I can like kick yeah. flip up to them and be like, right on, what's up? What yeah. What do you get what do you kids say? We used to say what's up, like what is up, but you know, what what up? Or what even up? just yeah. is that what you guys say now? What up? Yeah. <laughs> um Dude, I'm totally on fleek. Are you aware of that phrase? I'm on fleek? Never heard you of You guys it. need to check the Twitter account more because I learn a lot of stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> And I went I went to Nicaragua with some teenagers this summer and I <laughs> went to school on what is up <laughs> did they teach you i was i'm taught more by osmosis or observation okay uh but i honestly like the kids were great but i am not impressed with teenage culture and i'm sure if i was that age and somebody some 30 year old priest went with my peers to nicaragua we would have sounded like the biggest idiots <laughs> but yeah just like stuff that i've seen on twitter that i wasn't aware that people actually said uh it's it's surprising anyways um but i my didn't plow through the awkwardness i walked like a half block later and and then i just started thinking like well connor you just got to start talking to people period that's why you're out here why you're sick of sitting in the office thinking about stuff or just answering emails and plowing through the passive work that's just going to come to you as a priest anyway you have to be proactive you are a man go architect some shies do it <laughs> and uh and i thought to myself i thought of something you said and this might have even been on the podcast or maybe just a conversation of a guy you knew who would go up to people he was from the newman center he was a, i think he was a focus missionary and he'd go up and say something like hey i'm so and so i'm from the newman center here the catholic center on campus i'm just asking people like uh why don't you think college students practice their faith very often you know mm-hmm. why, why do so many people leave the practice of the faith and I, there's a perfect thing i'm not being a mormon i'm not saying creepy things like have you ever experienced the power of prayer and knocking on people's doors i'm just gonna go Do you want the waters of living the graces of living water flowing from your heart (laughs) you ever been washed in the blood of the lamb (laughs) um so i thought i'm just gonna go up to whoever god puts in front of me next person i see i'm going to stop them or go up to them and ask them that question Mm. And of course, who are the first people I see? 
the four dudes standing outside the tattoo parlor with rings in their faces smoking cigarettes. Yes. And I thought, nice, and I thought to myself, it was a split second of like, nope, not going to do that. Next. <laughs> to the point where like I'm already stepping uh, down the curb across the street to get to them. And I I just let my body take me there. Mm-hmm. But in my oh, heart, I was like, yeah. I'm not actually going to. Maybe I'll just act like I meant to go across the street. And then I'm. And then the awkwardness, like I, the stoop full of college kids, I would have had no problem with. But for some reason, these guys, I was like, they're just going to be like, what the hell yeah. are you doing here? And I go up and I'm like, my voice is shaking. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even get nervous in front of hundreds of people talking about the gospel. But these, th- something about this was like exactly what God wanted me to do and what he knew I needed to do for myself and for these guys. So. I just go up and I say it. I'm like, you know, hey, hey, I'm Father Connor from the church over there. Why do you, I'm just asking people, uh, like, why do you think so many people leave the practice of the faith? And it's like, boom, immediate. Multiple guys are sharing their opinions and they're like, well, you know, it, I mean, it's incoherent. Not blathering, but it's like the whole Sherry Waddell thing, which is like, listen to people where they're at mm-hmm. and what are they thinking about? And this question sparked it, you know? Mm-hmm about society and the culture and faith and blah, blah, blah. And then my backup question was if it ever gets like they run out of things to say, just be like, well, if you were me, what would you do differently? Or or Mm. what could the church do to reach more people or communicate the message? Anyway, without going into the nitty gritty details, because I don't remember exactly what was said, but I ended up like, hey, can I, you know, this is your tattoo parlor, huh? Can I check it out? You know, just sort of like, just trying to involve myself in these people's lives and actually take an interest. And it's not like I was totally uninterested, but I'm not going to get a tattoo and I'm not that interested in tattoos, but I go in there and I'm looking at like the art and stuff. And the thing was, I thought in asking that question, he would take me in there. The guy who, the main guy I was talking to and who also was the owner of the shop and the most vociferous, he had the most opinions. Well, he had to finish his cigarette, so he's like, yeah, go check it out. Like, whatever, whatever's not in there, I can draw. Like, he thought I was actually looking he, to get yeah. a tattoo. Yeah, he was very <laughs> interested in you getting one. Yeah, so then I go in there, and I'm, like, kind of looking at the art, and I find, like, the pages that's a bunch of Immaculate Heart of Mary, Sacred Heart of Jesus stuff, right, in, like, one page away from a bunch of topless ladies and yeah. stuff. And um, So, a typical tattoo situation. And then they finish the cigarettes and walk in, and the guy's like, he just has a seat. And so I sit down, and then he's like, I got a question for you. And uh, it was about basically like, all there's so many religions, and how can one be right? And I took a cue from Jesus and answered with a question, and was like, well, do you think that God is a person? Do you think that God is personal and can address us and reveal himself to us? And so, I mean, the same idea with the three questions with the kids. Can God reveal himself? Can God tell us why he made us? Can he send his son, et cetera, et cetera? Like it, it, it's not dependent on us figuring out the answer to this question. Because that's the, honestly, that's the basis of a question like that, which is the question almost everybody asks. Mm-hmm. How do I know that God exists? How do I know that he loves me? How do blah, blah, blah. How do I pray? Well, it's not about you. It's not about you. And so he's like, well, kind of. And anyway, this, the conversation just just went along and he believes in Jesus. And I, and I then had the opportunity to just preach the, the four part gospel. The focus always preaches. We're made mm-hmm. for relationship. Sin breaks that relationship. Jesus heals that relationship. 
we are called to follow him. Yep. And uh, anyway, I left the place just feeling like, yes, I'm restored. The emails did not kill me because I am still a man and can go out and assert, uh, not in an aggressive way, but propose the gospel to people who didn't expect it, you know? And this is not, there's so much work as a priest that's just expected of you. I can't survive on doing that work. Like, it's not why I got into it. I, you know, I understand as a pastor, you care for souls. And when people die, you bury them. And when people are sick, you anoint them. Mm-hmm. And when Sunday comes up, you preach a homily. But that is just your baseline, man. That's minimal expectation. And I can't, I can't live like that. I have to be proactive and be like thinking about what's, not just even thinking about it, but like getting out there and being surprised by what uh, God's actually doing, mm-hmm. you know, instead of just sitting in the seat and waiting for people to come to me, you know, and I, I don't know. It's I've been thinking about a lot about that distinction because there's also, as a priest, a lot of your time is taken from you. Mm-hmm. People think that they're the only person that wants to talk to you, so they'll just keep talking and I understand why priests get bitter and are like, I don't care. Everyone's lives are a mess and they've got tons of problems and they think that I have the silver bullet key to solve everything. And you can get sort of like, you you have to constantly relate this to God because you're like, God, you're in charge of this. I don't know the answer to this question. I'm 30 years old. I'm not married. I don't have any of these problems. What's, what do I do? And, and, uh, Constantly being taken from is a bad place to be. You have to be in a place of giving. Mm -hmm. And if you have that habit, I've found, like if you have the habit of just giving when nobody expects you to give rather than just doing what's expected of you, which feels like you're being taken and time's being taken from you or energy or whatever, then you can even make those situations of passive uh, work or ministry into gifts. And you you can say in the moment, like, you started a conversation with somebody and then they are just taking, taking, taking. And you decide, I am going to give this away. Mm. I'm going to, I choose to give what n- was not, my permission wasn't asked or anything like that, but mm-hmm. I am freely consenting to this, you know? Yeah. And it changes the color of your whole mm. outlook on it, your emotional state, your psychological and your spiritual state yeah. of, uh, of what that sacrifice feels like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, cause then it ends up feeding you rather than draining you. Yeah. And I, I think it's right over there. It's a book, um, in the school of the Holy spirit by Jacques Philippe, uh, Jacques, Jacques Philippe who wrote searching for and maintaining peace. Yes. Yeah. Very and into your freedom. He's a great that, author. I read that yeah. this summer as well. He also has a book on the little flower too. Oh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So Very I good. used it this Does summer. Does Jacques Philippe listen to the podcast or is he dead? I don't think he's dead. I'd say either way, both. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. true, dude. That yeah. That's like what Monsignor Swetland used to say, like uh, about dead people. Well, they weren't Catholic. Well, they are now. <laughs> um. So I used that book all summer to uh, keep my coffee warm. I would put it on the lid of my coffee, um, as you know to. Keep the heat insulator. It's a good book. What else are books for? <laughs> what else are books for? So thank you, Jacques. Door but what I did do is before I used it as a coffee thing, I read it. Um, I, I think I only read like a couple of pages, to be honest with you. And this 
one line has really stuck with me, or at least one idea, is like wherever we are right now, God wants you there completely. And that's that's a really cool idea. But um, instead of like even just passively receiving it, exactly what you're saying is choose choose the situation that you're in right now. Mm-hmm. Like every second of every day as the reality that it is a gift mm-hmm. and that it's not just something like, oh, I guess I have to bear it. Like, Yeah, like do you think no. that I want to be with you chumps doing this podcast right now? <laughs> I am choosing to give this away to you. Like every single <laughs> – These nugs. These precious nugs. These one nugs. One nug here, one these, nug there. These nugs. Yeah. These nugs. Yeah. <laughs> Presidential candidate. So like every single <laughs> second, God wants you – is a great gift. And God wants you there. It's not something to bear or to endure. Obviously, there's moments that are you do have to bear and things like that. Um, but that struck me big time. Like I love tobacco products and I especially love chewing. And that was one of the biggest things that I wanted to stop chewing for was because I noticed even in tiny conversations, um, get that away from me, even in (laughs) tiny conversations, uh, with people that I may not want to talk to, not the guy that I would go out of my way to talk to but even people that I wanted to talk to is I always had this inkling in the back of my head, really in the back of my heart of like, oh, I wish this would get done so I can go and like do, I'll, let me be me. <laughs> I want to be me. I'm going to do me. Yeah. Of like this, you're me. taking something from me, man. Right. Like this is my time right now. Absolutely. I have things that I need to do that I want to do. Mm-hmm. And when it's like, when it's not up to you, when it's not your time or when you're actually choosing to give it away then you're like totally immersed in conversations in every yep. single moment living mm-hmm. in that's why they call it the present see i think oh, that's uh, <laughs> you said faith journey earlier. yeah yeah you did say you faith. Faith. how dare you bring up faith that journey was, on this podcast. Right? all these podcasts just one yeah. episode we're, you said we're not back the yeah <laughs> not this is not us <laughs> this is not us what has happened <laughs> yeah. oh. and another thing this is similar to what you guys were just talking about but Father Gallagher gave a homily. I don't know if you remember this one over the summer. And he talked about the the book Maurice and Therese. Do you remember this one? I, I remember yeah. you t- telling me about it. I couldn't hear it. But oh, I do remember wow. him okay. preaching it. Yeah. <clears throat> and so this book Maurice and Therese is one of my like absolute favorites. And it's letters between St. Therese and this, at the time, seminarian named Maurice. And he is just... He, I mean, he just says it, man. Like, he's like, I'm an idiot. You have to pray for me. Mm-hmm. And all she does is encourage him. Like, she never gets on his case about anything. She just encourages him. And over and over again, there was like this one part. I think Father Gallagher talked about this in it where, um, like, he goes on something about, like, this particular seminary where they were at the time. He goes on leave. And he's, like, gone for a year, but he had to. And he must fall into, like, some pretty serious, probably, like, sexual sin, it sounded like. So he writes to her, and he's just, like, distraught. And that's her great line of, like, um, because he's asking for prayers and, like, prayers to receive God's love in this and all this stuff. And she says, she's like, if, I don't know how she words it, but she's like, if you think that if I knew every single one of your sins all of them in a row that I would be any less affectionate or feel any different about you than you don't know me well at all. Hmm. And 
like she just encourages him and talks about like Jesus wants you to be a saint and that's what he created you for. And Felix Gallagher's whole point, which was really beautiful, I never thought about this in reading that book. He said like he kind of gave Maurice's background and he said Saint Therese was the first person that ever believed in him. Like believed even before he did that he could be a saint. And Gallagher's whole point to this homily was that like in this reception like of God's grace he will actually transform our humanity. And that for me that was just a huge point of like yeah we're all going to we're always going to be um like God's little children and and it, nothing compared to like the majesty of of God, right? But like in the reception of what he wants to give us our humanity will actually be transformed. We can have hope for that. So like as people struggle with these things over and over, like there's actual hope that like God's grace will change their life. And I think you see it again, most perfectly and drastically um, in the saints. Like we hear stories of John Paul II that like, like just his physical presence was so transformed that like people could feel it in the room they were in. Um, you know, people that weren't religious people even said knew there was something different about him. And it's not, you know, I would hold at least like that's not from him, like ascending to these great heights of, you know, human achievement. That's him from him letting God come so low that God will lift him up in that. Um, so it's just a little, I don't know, a little point of like, what you guys were kind of talking about just i'd never heard it said like that like gallagher said of like god will transform our humanity if we let him it's very hopeful for me Hmm. anyway i was kind of thinking of your your point about the gift uh that's why they call it the present the present that's because it's a present um another mike schmidt's analogy was uh i'm glad you're getting on this the schmidt's train i'm a schmidt's man um, his analogy was that, like, what if a person was won the lottery, say, and they didn't get the full payout, but got like the, you know, what are this called? The plan, you know, where they they give you a certain amount of money every week or month or whatever. And when you win the lottery and you get like, uh, what is that called? It's it's unimportant. Just you yeah. explained it well. Yeah. Okay. We're good. on the same page. So they give you fifteen hundred dollars a day, say. And you have to spend it that day, otherwise you don't. It doesn't roll over. I didn't know that. Are you serious? It doesn't no. roll over? He's saying it's a, gosh, guys, it's, it's a metaphor. It's a oh, he's saying mm-hmm. this. Oh. Let's say somebody does. He's saying let's say that they have a Jeopardy or a, um, whatever lottery system like this. Right. Okay. And uh, I would not play that lottery. No. Straight up. I wouldn't. Play, a day. I wouldn't. Please. Incidentally, I wouldn't play a lottery. I like people try to sell you the, the raffle tickets from the church raffles or the school or the soccer team or whatever. I don't buy them, not because I'm not generous, but because I don't want to win it. I, like a priest winning the church lottery is so dumb. Like, you, ugh, I, it's just the thought of it. I don't like it. You know what I mean? Because like, the, what are the two things people are gonna say? Like, oh yeah, great. Or it's fixed. <laughs> and that's a good point. So, like, it's not. It it, it kind of reminds me of the thing from Band of Brothers where the Captain Winters says to what's his name, Buzz, the uh, Buck, 
Buck. Yeah, I know this part. Yep. Where he's playing cards with the guys in the truck, and he's kind of like buddy-buddy with them, because I think he's an NCO, and, mm-hmm. and Captain Winters is a commissioned officer. And um, he's like, you just don't like it because the guys, you know, they see me as kind of a, you know, they like me more because I, I play, I gamble with them or whatever. And, and Winters says, no, it's not that. You just never, as their leader, you never put yourself in a position where you can take from mm-hmm. these men. And I, I just think of that all the time with, the, like, the littlest things, you know? Even boundaries, like, where being friends with people in your parish, in a sense of, like, I depend on you for... Like, a lot of people, I think, want to be the person who the priest can let their hair down around, you know? And just be whatever, man. You know, you don't have to be father just be here. Me. and He's just a regular dude. Like, as yeah. if that's just we're all craving just not to be priests. And um, honestly, it's like, it's not... The, the people that you are ministering to, it's not, you're not there to be their friends necessarily. It doesn't mean you, you're not friendly with them and you don't love them in a way that's even deeper than say like, I mean, it's not deep. It's just different. The the friends that I have are, are different. Um, what was the point of what I was saying? The $1,500 a day, say analogy. And he's saying that like you can feel like um, it, it, you put yourself in that situation and you're deciding what to do with this money. And it could be philanthropic. It could be you're giving some away. But it's your money. And what if the lottery all of a sudden was said, like, well, can I have... Like, it's your money. You want it, but can... Like, do you mind giving some of it back per day or whatever? And you'd say, like, whatever, dude. I won this. Mm-hmm. This is my money. Um, All of a sudden, you're very tight-fisted with it because you feel that it's yours even though you didn't earn it you just won it it was given to you um he says you get f- what is it 1440 minutes per week is that right no 60 times 24 it was something around 1500 was it minutes or how many hours in a week it's like 168 i don't know so it's so many minutes per week, and he's like, God asks for 60 back. He gave you all of them, and he asks for 60 back. Mm. Um, problem is we get to thinking that, no, this time you gave me, this is mine. I don't have to do anything I don't want to do with it. And it's true. like you, It is given to you. Mm-hmm. It's a gift. But you didn't earn it. You want it because of God's love for you. And um, the analogy is like he was talking about discipleship basically like do you because you, eventually god wants it all back the point is not for you to just have it and do whatever you want with it and it's no good to you anyway like you get sick of fifteen hundred dollars a day you get you learn you're going to run out of things to spend that on really quick because your whole life's going to be about spending it on yourself and uh so the analogy is strong like because we do like you're saying about wanting to hang on to your time you feel like Oh, well, I want to go be doing something else. And uh, gosh, I felt like that on an existential level, like to the point of I'm in a place and I'm like, I don't want to be here. I, but what am I looking forward to? You know, where do I want to be? Rather than enter into the moment, it, it, it doesn't occur to me in the moment to just be like, no, I want to give this time away right now to whoever's in front of me, mm. which then, I mean, c- colors the whole experience in a different tint. You know, you, you all of a sudden you're free. But you're all, if you're always living for like the next time you just get to use your time for yourself, it always disappoints. Because what are you gonna do? Watch Netflix? Stupid stuff. Yeah. You know. I, mean, I always think of like 
looking at the flip side would be like the big businessman who like lives on Wall Street and you know smokes like 80 packs a day cuz he's super stressed out and like that's that's somebody That's an exaggeration, right? <laughs> Is it possible to smoke 80 packs a day? <laughs> Let me tell you, dude, in Bosnia. How many are in a pack? In Bosnia, yeah. it's possible. In Bosnia, people smoke 24-7. <laughs> when I got into the airport, people were smoking straight up inside in the airport. Really? Baby, I'm telling you. Baby here, mom here. Who's also pregnant with another baby? It, it Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like with that, with that business tycoon, he's... He's always looking forward to the next thing to do, to get, to grasp, to to conquer, to conquer, to yeah. win, to oh, establish, yeah. you know, all mm-hmm. this stuff. And it like you can just see the stressed out nature of I mean, you know, even where I was coming from in college in the army, oh my gosh, everyone's raging all the time. I like to rage. I love raging. It's like what Metzes do rage. best, you know? <laughs> but there is something there is something to like not because it's also kind of a fear of like I'm my time is being wasted right now. Mm-hmm. I need to get somewhere else and do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And so it's like kind of where you are in that moment, you're almost afraid. Like I, uh, I want to be somewhere else, but instead of to back away from it, to just like bulldoze it, to plow through into something even deeper that's there of like, mm-hmm. let's just dive into this thing. Let's just dive in and see what happens. Yeah. And then some meeting or whatever turns the entire thing turns into an act of love. Yeah. Of like instead whoa. of waiting for your life to end all the time. Because that I, this occurred to me when I was seventeen years old. I wrote an opinions article in my nutrient newspaper about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <that's huge> <laughs> oh, man, one time I was writing an article. <laughs> I was on the school newspaper. <laughs> What a nerd, dude! <laughs> I think we Never both write for the school it. paper here. Did we, we do? Yeah. Should we just throw away this whole sound file? What? We're just, we're just coming off as huge nerds. Are we? Faith journey. I hope not. <laughs> no, it. You shouldn't have said faith journey though. That, that was, was a dare big you because mistake. I said. Can we bleep it? That was a big mistake. Yeah. We should believe it. We should believe <laughs> yeah, it. Imagine it being bleeped and people being like, what did he say? <laughs> oh my gosh. Wow. It would be on the Twitter sphere, no doubt. Oh, what no. was bleeped? Mm-hmm. What was it bleeped? Maybe we should just do it to spark conversation. Like where your head's at. Mm-hmm. Like your head's at. I feel like we maybe shouldn't publish this part of the conversation. We'd overplay <laughs> our hand. People would know we're manipulating them. <laughs> manipulating the Twitter sphere. What was I saying? Oh, my, my newspaper article was about. Because it it occurred to me in high school, you're waiting, <laughs> you're waiting for classes to end constantly. I was always waiting for my classes to end. When like, you do this in seminary when like waiting for the and we I think we've talked about this. Looking at the watch and just time is passing so slow because it's being oh. stolen from you. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, I, I used to think to myself, well, if I really don't want to be here, I don't have to be. Not meaning like you can skip class and still be a priest, but None of this was required of me. I chose to be in the seminary. Yeah. Like, just take it back to your initial choice, you know? Um, kind of like the whole thing about, like, the, the intentionality of y- you want to get from Paris to Berlin. And that means all these other decisions, which are kind of more mindless. Like, the, the ultimate intention, I think this is an Aristotelian idea of, like, final cause, that your ultimate intention is to arrive at this place. And there's all sorts of other decisions and implications that 
go along with it that you've consented to by implication, which is like, I have to get on this train and wait for the train to get here and then take that train and then whatever, arrive at this city, take a bus or whatever, all those things. And and like the way that your time feels nickel and dimed away from you a lot of times is because you've made a bigger decision that this thing is worth the sacrifices, you know, but in the moment sitting as a 17 year old in a pre-calculus class waiting for the, the minute hand to hit 40, you're just like, Oh my gosh, this is brutal. And it occurred to me like I'm 17 years old and I'm waiting for my life to pass me by. That is BS. And I refuse to do that. And I, I wasn't perfect about it, but I just like, how do I just suck the marrow out of these 40 minutes that I previously hated? And some of that is engaging in the class. Some of it is just like, well, I maybe I don't need to pay attention. I can think about bigger ideas, which I certainly did as was prone to do in high school. Just sit there and and think about stuff like that, you know, use the time. And, and I wouldn't have put these words on it then, but give it away rather than have it stolen from you. Um, because that's it, the law of the gift. Like it just, your being increases as you give it away is so true. Um because you aren't maybe in a situation where you're like in a place doing a thing you don't want to be doing or be at and you have a decision it's a decision point do i continue to be miserable until a more favorable circumstance arises or do i choose to love it you know do i choose to be happy which is also strange because then like you kind of get caught up in in time or time becomes unimportant and yeah, it actually it starts away. to fly by mm-hmm. you know which it, it I, I mean it just makes me think of therese actually it makes me think of what baron said of therese when he was sitting in this chair right here what baron said essentially was like it's therese's idea of then every single so when you dive into it deeply and you turn it into a gift then it's a divinization of time itself you're giving it away so then every single moment is an act of love so that you're just you're just giving this time away which is a gift to you and instead of letting it pass by you're just in it and for for what it is you're not trying to make it something that it's not but sometimes it's monotonous and i sure as heck want to turn it into something exciting yeah that's that was another big thing especially with the chewing tobacco of like um wow i don't think i've ever on the podcast, I don't think I admitted I've admitted to using chewing tobacco before. So yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> Secret is out, dude. Aren't we so vulnerable? Wow, Ish. Yeah. I'm pretty vulnerable right now. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty vulnerable. Are well, you guys just hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I pretty am. hungry too. Let's grub, dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty hungry as well. Good sesh. Good sesh. Super boring. How long was it? Good sesh. Three Dogs North are Juice, Seabisk, and Michael Metz. Conversations have been edited to sound smarter. Audio and transcripts of this episode are exclusive property of Mundelein Seminary and may not be rebroadcast without the express written consent of Major League Baseball. Down.